turn them open to um, the book of Romans. We're going to start a new series this morning. And uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm going to need your excitement level to come up a slightly bit higher than it is right now. We're like a two for ten on excitement level. Like I'm a nine out of ten. You guys are about a two out of ten during the offering. I listened. I was sitting there. I heard you. Um, we're going to need you to elevate that. I know Miss Marion's already with me, but the rest of you must elevate to that level. Okay. Now, now I'm, I'm not saying that for myself. I'm saying that for your sake because you're the one listening to me. And I preach better when you respond better. And you get more out of the service when you actually respond during the service. And instead of just looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, when you really do know what I'm talking about. So we're going to start this new series on hope this morning. I'm, I'm very encouraged about it, and I'm very expectant about it today. But before we do that, I want to tell you, this is Giveaway Sunday. If you didn't care about the message, you came for the free gift, and we love you, and you're still here for that. So uh, just to let you guys know, you guys are all getting these bags today that has whatever you got. Some of you guys got hoodies, some of you got sweatshirts, and there's other goodies in here. And we just want to remind you about that. After service, you can pick these up. Brother Sean gave me some instructions. He said, because uh, they're, they're in alphabetical order. So from A to G, those bags are in the small fellowship hall. And from H to Z are in the lobby. And he wrote down here, we kept family members' bags together. So if you're looking for names of people. Also, uh, there is a few sizes that weren't in yet, but they will come in. So you can talk to somebody at the table. But I think we made 201 bags, something like that. So very exciting. You get one of these this morning, and we love you. So Merry Christmas to all of you in here. So it's exciting. All right, so let's get into this message. Romans 15 and verse 13 in the New Living Translation. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I wanted to read this verse because this is the verse that God gave me. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about hope on Sunday mornings because we, we need hope. We need hope now more than ever. And I want to read this verse again because this is the verse that I'm believing for you. This is what's going to happen to all of you that are here listening to these words. So I want to pray this over you because the Apostle Paul prayed this over this church in Rome, the Roman church. And, and right now, Father, we pray this verse over your people. I pray that the source of hope, which is you, God, you're going to fill your people this next few weeks with complete joy and peace because we trust in you. And Father, I pray this verse that when they hear these messages, that they will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray an impartation of supernatural divine hope to take place today and the next several weeks to get our hopes back up, to get our hopes in God, for our hopes to be elevated because you are the God of all hope. And I believe that over your church and your church family this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody believe that today? That's what's going to happen for you because we just prayed that in faith. So you need to be a good receiver about that. So we're talking about hope this morning, and we titled this series, The Thrill of Hope. 
because it is the Christmas season. But if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Hold On to Hope. Hold On to Hope. Let me give you a definition of hope this morning. Hope is to expect and desire something good in your future. Hope is confident expectation of good in your future. It is the will of God that we live full of hope as believers and followers of Jesus. Since God is the God of all hope, we need to be full of hope. And the only source of hope is God. And as you know, the further you drift from your relationship with God, the more hopeless you get. Because you're removing yourselves from the hope that you have that's in God because he's the only source of hope. And so we need to understand that being full of hope is to expect confidently and desire that something good is in your future. Now, now we've seen this this year, that everything that we put our faith in, that we shouldn't have put our faith and hope in, has failed us. Right? Like the Bible already said this, but then like reality check has to, okay, everything that, that could be shaken has been shaken, and they all blew it. Am I right or am I wrong? Okay, the, the healthcare system, they're doing the best they can, but our hope was in that, and they didn't do what's right. The coronavirus, COVID-19 is still here. We're still wearing masks because it failed when our hope was just in that, in the natural, that that's going to save us. Our government, wow. We've all blown it. Democrats and Republicans completely blew it. If your hope was in that, you feel a little hopeless right now. If your, your, your faith was in the vaccine in your mask, you feel a little hopeless right now. If your faith was in the financial system, you feel a little hopeless right now because your hope is in the wrong place. And if you're looking to other people or other things to make you full of hope, you will always be disappointed and end up in a hopeless place because God is the only real source of hope. Because everything will be shaken. The Bible says that. And the only thing left that will not be shaken is God and his kingdom. And that's where your hope has to be. So a lot of us are hopeless because your hope was in something wrong to begin with. And so we need to realize that God is the God of all hope. And this is the condition of the world. I want to read this in Ephesians 2 and verse 12. In New Living, this is the condition of us without God. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's our state pre-Jesus. <laughs> but how many know there's even people that know Jesus but mentally, they're living like they don't have God and they don't have hope in this world. When you do. But that's the, the condition. So we can't blame people for reacting the way they react 
and living the way they live. No, they are living in this world without God. So when they're without God, the Bible says they are without hope. And so since they're without hope, we cannot fault people for living in fear and responding in fear and acting out in fear because they're without God and without hope in this world. I don't know about you. I would not want to be living in 2020 without God. I say, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't fault people that, that do extreme things. They're just looking for some answers to make themselves to feel better, to numb the pain. I, I don't judge people that are drinking more than they've ever drunk right now. You got to do something to numb yourself from the pain you're feeling. And if you're without God and without hope in this world, it's a scary place to be. I don't fault people for, for looking to drugs to fill their issues. I don't fault people for people looking to sex because they're looking for something because they're living without God. So they're living without hope in this world. But the good news is today, we are not those people, church. <laughs> that doesn't mean we're better than those people. It just means we're not those people. We have answers. We have God. So we're not without hope. We don't need to be hopeless because we have God in this world so we can have hope because he's the only source of true hope. But notice apart from God, it says in Ephesians 2, 12, when you're without God, you're without hope in this world. So people choose many, many things to fill that void to make themselves feel better, to numb their pain. But it's always an empty place to end up. So let me take you a few steps deeper. Can we go a little bit deeper today? We realize that, um, you know, in the past 20 years, really early 2000s, there was a major shift kind of in the culture and even in the medical field towards mental, emotional health. Kind of before that, there was a lot of stigmas attached to it. Like if you were depressed or anxious or suicidal, it's kind of like they just need to put you on drugs and you need to go to a facility away from here because you're kind of crazy. You can, you can respond. And, and there was, there's a lot of stigmas attached to that about if you struggle with any of those things, anxiety or, or panic attacks or depression. or it, It's kind of like, well, you guys got issues because you're weak. And you just need to be on drugs, and we just need to put you in a facility, and we just need to get rid of you because you're weak and you have issues and you don't have enough faith in God or whatever your issue is. You know, kind of before that, there was a lot of things attached to it, but we saw in the past really 20 years, there's been a lot of understanding about mental and emotional health, which is good because people have realized, no, it's not as black and white, as that statement is. Uh, there, there's a lot of different issues people face, and because you struggle mentally or emotionally does not mean you're messed up or weak. It means you're a human. <laughs> like you live on the planet. You have feelings and emotions and thoughts. And no, the answer is not, let's just lock you away in a facility and call you crazy. 
And let's just not put you on medication so you can't feel anything. No, that's not the answer. Those things. So we've seen a shift in, in mental, emotional health. And it's actually come to the forefront with, with people dealing with these issues. But the root of all of that is hopelessness. And, and we see here that, that we've seen that shift in our culture which has been a good shift because people have needed help and haven't got help. But even sometimes the church world doesn't talk about these things, and we need to. We need to talk about these things. Because God wants to be your healer, not just physically. He wants to heal you spirit, soul, and body. He wants to heal you mentally and emotionally just as he wants to heal you physically. And Jesus paid the price for you to be whole. Spirit, soul, and body. And if we just come to church and we act like, well, God cares about your spirit, but just take a pill and get over it. That's not really giving people answers. No, God has answers in his word and his will is that we would be whole spirit, soul, and body. But like I said, the root of this is hopelessness. So you got to get some hope to heal. And that's the first step we're going to take today. My assignment today is to preach the hope back into you this morning. That's what God said. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the hope back into you today because a lot of us are struggling mentally and emotionally we were struggling way before the pandemic started so this has just gotten out of control and they've even said this on the news you know the physical um, consequences of COVID-19 are rough on people but the mental and emotional and spiritual toll has taken has just been just as bad you just can't measure it we can't measure it because we're in our own houses for for starters you can't see how anyone's even doing because you can't even talk to them and go live life with them or do life with them but we need to know that God has hope for us today and God has answers for us today So anyways, uh, thinking about this, you guys still with me so far today? We've seen the the numbers of anxiety, depression, suicide, on and on and on skyrocket really the past 15 or 20 years. It's not that people didn't have issues before that, but because it's come to the forefront, we've seen that take place. And And that's happened for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, because of our smartphones. It's a whole other message. Not even going to go there right now. But because we live such isolated lives, and we're living in a culture and a world that has put our hope in everything but God, so we end up in a very hopeless place. But I want to talk specifically right now because it's proven that the time from Thanksgiving to New Year is the worst time of year for people that struggle with mental and emotional health. It's been proven that people's anxiety goes way up. Their depression goes way up. There's more suicides between Thanksgiving and New Year's than any other time of the year. There's a lot of pressure and stress. 
And so we need to talk about this today. Because uh, there's, there's a lot of sadness and heaviness that people deal with. You know, we, we, we quoted the thrill of hope, but a lot of people this time of year are not thrilled about anything. Go ahead, you can say it. They're, they're, they're not thrilled because there's a lot of pain in their life. There's a lot of anxiety in their life. There's a lot of depression in their life. There's a lot of family issues that they're not looking forward. There's nothing thrilling about that. To look forward to, to having those conversations and to seeing those people that you thought you got rid of the rest of the year. And you got to be reminded of them. But two, for holidays, there's a lot of reminding of things you lost. People, things, careers, relationships. And so it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. But for a lot of people, it's not. It's the worst time of year. So as your pastor, I'm not going to just sit aside and act like that's not happening. When I know it's happening to a lot of you in here, but you've just been taught faith so long, you would never confess that to anyone else. I'm not saying you need to make that part of your daily confession, but if you're struggling, you do need to talk to people. And you know, even myself, your pastor... I don't want to sound like Ebenezer Scrooge this morning, but for many, many years, I don't enjoy Thanksgiving to New Year's. Pastor, you're such the Scrooge this morning. And there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons. Uh, some circumstantial. Some I don't even know. Maybe just as a pastor, I feel the heaviness and weight of other people that are feeling that during this time of year. But, but I, I don't enjoy it. I want to hurry up and get to January. Anybody want to be honest? Um, I love people, and I love, you know, making the holidays about the kids and the grandkids and stuff like that. But, but I've sensed even myself a feeling of sadness and heaviness that comes during the holiday season whether that's picking up other people's or just even pressure myself that I'm dealing with in life. And so we need to talk about this because we want you to get your hope back this morning. I know I'm laying some introduction for where we're going today. Once again, hope is to expect and desire something good in your future. You know, we're a faith church. We believe in faith. We teach in faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But you got to have hope before you have faith. So some of you are like, I'm a faith person, but you don't have any hope, so you got nothing for your faith to work with. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if you don't get your hopes up for anything and you're not expecting anything in your good in your future and you don't get your hopes up to, to have them in God, your faith has nothing to work with. So before we preach about faith, which we always do, which we will continually do, I got to get your hopes up before we get your faith up. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
So we're going to take a little little journey this morning and, and share some things with you. I want to read this quote to you. Hope is to our spirits what oxygen is to our lungs. If we lose hope, you will die. They may not bury you for a while, but you are dead inside. The only way to face the future is to be full of hope. Hope is the energy of the soul. Hope is the power of tomorrow. We have to have hope to live. We have to have hope to have a future. And you know the thing about hopelessness, the reason we get hopeless is we think it will last forever. If someone put a time in a day when this pain would stop, you would be hopeful. If someone said, by January of next year, you're going to feel completely different, you would be hopeful again. But, but the thing is that people get into this place of hopelessness because something has been this way for so long, it's never going to stop. I felt this pain for so long, it's never going to end. I felt this grief for so long, it's never going to stop. I, I felt this depression for so long, it's never going to stop. I felt this anxiety for so long. I've been in this dark place for so long, I'm hopeless because I think it's forever. Let me tell you some good news this morning. It's not. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. The good thing about storms is storms do not last. They eventually run out of rain. The waves stop moving. The, the thing about, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is that joy comes in the morning. Though the darkness may last for a night, there's joy coming in the morning. Just like day and night, it's only dark for so long. The light will come back if you keep your hopes up. But it's temporary. Now, we got to understand this because... We think it will last forever. But even your Bible says this, and I believe that God will do way more than this, but even if he didn't do anything in your lifetime, which is still temporary, in light of eternity, it's like this. The Bible says your life is like a vapor. It's like a breath compared to eternity. But we're putting all of our stock and our energy and our passion into this little tiny time frame, thinking it's forever. It's not. And my Bible says that there will be one day, come on now somebody, that God will wipe away every tear. He will take away every physical pain. There will be no depression. There will be no anxiety. There will be no wars. There will be no disease. There will be no mental issues. There will be no pain at all. God will do that in the future. But I believe that I serve a God that can do something in the future. And he could do something right now too. God didn't just design me to, for me to suffer through this earth and then wait till I get to the sweet by and by before he does something for me. I serve a God that didn't just save me to get me to heaven. He saved me to get heaven in me. But religion teaches us, hold on, wait, suffer through. It will get better one day. 
And it will. But I serve a God that's way bigger than one day. One day we'll get better. One day in the sweet by and by. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But until then, let's be depressed and anxious and live just like the world. Do you want this this morning or not? (laughs) I told you I'm here to preach some hope back into you. To get your hopes up. No, I serve a God that's bigger than just in the sweet by and by God. That God can heal you spirit, soul, and body. Jesus did not go to the cross and go through what he went through. He did not wear a crown on his thorn, a thorns on his head so you would be anxious and depressed. He paid for your peace. He paid for your joy. He paid for your body. He paid for your family. He paid for your finances. He paid for your future. And it's a finished, complete work. He doesn't have to go back and do it again. It's already paid in full. For a complete redemption. Not just to get you spiritually alive again and just hope one day it'll all be good. But until then, we're going to suffer. And it's going to be hell. And we're just going to plow through this. Circumstances are real. We're living in a fallen world. I'm not denying that. We have an enemy to our soul. I'm not denying that. But we are victorious. We have the overcomer living on the inside of us. And we need to get our hopes back up. That wasn't in my notes, but that was my message. (laughs) Hope is to expect and desire something good in your future. Hope is a confident expectation. See, when I say that, there's some of you in here, you can't even go there. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, I know that. Because I've been there before. And you know, I've been in church my whole life. I don't like hype. I don't like preachers to preach hype. I don't preach hype. I preach hope. And that's real. I don't like preachers to get up and say, well, if you come up here, you're going to get $10,000. You're going to get out of debt, and God's going to do it. Like, what, what are you? You're just getting people's emotions up. But did God tell you that? It's hype. If you do this and this and this, God's going to. Did God tell you that? Is that the word? Or is that just hype? And many people are disappointed and upset and disillusioned at the church and preachers because they lied to you about your life. Because they were preaching hype. There's a difference. I'm preaching hope. Because hope is built on something solid. It's built on a foundation, which is God. Hype is built on nothing but emotions. Hope is built on God, and because of God, I have a right to expect something good in my future. I have confident expectation about my future, and I have hope because of God. So I want to tell you a little bit before we um, share three things at the end about you really getting your hope back. 
some personal things about myself. And, uh, you know, I don't share these things to make myself look like a victim because I'm not. Um, I share these things to show you that your pastor knows what you're going through. And I don't live in heaven. I live on this earth. And I face issues too. And so this idea that, that pastors and preachers are above what the church people are going through. It's not true. I'm anointed by God to do what I'm called to do, but I'm a human being. And I have the same enemy that's against me that's against you. I live in this world just like you live in it. But I want to share some things that I feel like are going to encourage you. It might get sober for a second. I might cry, but we'll get through it. So... I believe this was 2011 or 2012. We were um, going on a mission trip to Manzanillo, Mexico. And up to that period of time in my life, I don't feel like I've ever been anxious, ever been fearful, never been depressed. Really, before these events happened, I probably would have been one of those people that would say, get over it. Sad to say that that's probably what I would have said. But let me tell this for every one of you in here. It's real easy to tell somebody what to do if you've never been through it. Well, you just, you just should act this way and think this way. Have you been through that? Nope. It's easy to be a big faith giant and hope giant when you've never been through nothing. And telling everybody else how they should feel and how they should grieve and how they should overcome things and how they should get over things. It's not as simple as that. So anyways, before, which I'm going to tell you what happened, before that, I would have been on the other side and if, if people were depressed around me, I'd be like, what's your problem? Why are you being weak? Cheer up. Or if they were anxious, I'd be like, chill out. There's no reason to be anxious. There's no reason to be fearful. Now, my heart was right, but it was a little not compassionate. I never said that to anybody, but that's what I was thinking in my head. So anyways, we were going on this mission trip, and there was about 35 young people going with us. And that morning, I was not feeling right in my body. I did not understand what it was at the time. Later on, once I researched stuff and talked to people, I understood what was going on. But as soon as I got in the airplane, I started having a panic attack. And I'd never experienced anything like that in my life till then. So if you know anything about panic attacks, later on I looked up the symptoms and I realized, okay, I'm not crazy. This is what's happening in your body. This is what's happening in your mind. So I was sitting on the airplane and it felt like I couldn't breathe. And my heart started beating fast. I started sweating. And mentally, I felt really confused. I felt like I couldn't think straight. I felt like I couldn't comprehend anything. I felt like detached from reality. Very strange. Now, if you've ever had that, 
you know that feeling, and it's scary. Because you feel like, well, physically, I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack or something's happening to me. But also mentally, you felt like, I'm losing my mind. What in the world is going on here? So that happens. We get to Manzanillo. I have a weird look in my eye. I'm not my normal self. And my good friend Chad Steele took care of me. And he let me just stay in the room. And I remember that night I said, I can't go to the service because I feel too weird. I need Dad to come pray for me. So Dad prayed for me. The whole entire trip in Manzanillo, I couldn't enjoy. There was about 35 young people. Everybody was at the beach drinking non-alcoholic margaritas, (laughs) painting buildings. I was up in the room feeling paranoid like I needed to put a bucket on my head. I felt that strange. Physically, I did not feel right in my body. Mentally and emotionally, I felt like I cannot think straight. I'm losing my mind. This is weird. I've never had this. Um, You know, in my 20s, I've never felt this. So when I got home, you know, I told mom and dad about it. And the more I learned about it, I realized what I was having. I was having a panic attack. So I know the physical symptoms of it. I know the mental, emotional symptoms of it. And, you know, just knowing that made you feel like you're not alone. Okay, there's other people that have had this. You're not crazy. But from that point on, now this happened about 2011, 2012. I started declining. My physical health started declining. Uh, I was having every issue you could think of. Gut issues, headache issues, heart issues, joint issues. I was going to get test after test after test, and they said, nothing's wrong with you. I said, no, there's something wrong with me. Well, your heart's fine, but it feels like I'm having a heart attack every day. Well, your brain's fine. Well, it doesn't feel fine. And then I was having anxiety often. I got fearful because that anxiety. Now, this is all the devil. This is not God's will. But I'm saying this as your pastor. And after that period of time, I had been doing worship and preaching my whole life. I felt afraid to just get on the platform and do worship. I felt afraid to preach. I felt afraid to talk to people because of that anxiety. And it felt like it was getting darker and darker and darker. And it felt more hopeless and it felt more hopeless, and it felt more hopeless. It felt like I was, I felt like I was sinking into a pit, and I couldn't get out. And that's what happens a lot of times. I'm trying to encourage you, church family, if you're feeling that. That's what happens when you have a panic attack or anxiety. It goes back and forth. Anxiety and depression are, are together. You go from a high high to a low low, and, and you need to get some help. Now, this is a different time for a different message. I'm not going to go into all the reasons why some of this happened because I know some of them. I don't know all of them. First of all, I know I wasn't taking care of my body like I should have, even though I was in my 20s. But also, I know it's a spiritual attack. How many know the devil doesn't want you to have a healthy pastor? (laughs) How many know the devil doesn't like it that I'm still here at 33 years old? Preaching. He, he doesn't like that. He didn't appreciate that. He doesn't appreciate that our church is growing during a pandemic. 
He didn't appreciate that we're just paying off debts left and right. He doesn't, he doesn't want any of this to happen. He doesn't want a region change in church to happen. He doesn't want any of this to happen. So if he's going to shoot at anybody, it's going to be the leader. Thanks, Dad. No, Chuck. He was just like, hey, hey, devil, don't shoot at me. My son's the pastor now, not me. Take it out on him. But if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's par for the course. If you want to do something great for God, don't expect the devil to applaud you. Because he won't. He will resist you. So anyways, I was going through that for a long, long time. Now, many of you didn't know that because I'm a faith person. I don't wear my feelings on my sleeves like some of you do. All right, one amen. Zero comments from the rest of you. Because I, I can be grown up enough in Christ and have some maturity about me. I'm not moping around every day acting like, can you please talk to me? I'm depressed. I need your help. No, I'm grown up enough. As a faith person, not that I didn't talk to people, but I talked to the right people. Keyword, keyword there. Because, see, when you act like that, you just want everybody to talk to you, and you don't need that. You don't need your Facebook friend's advice at all. You don't need your coworker's advice. So don't act like that around them because they're going to ask you questions. What's wrong with you? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Let me tell you what I'm taking. Let me tell you, I went to this therapist, and he did 10 steps to change my chakra and my energy's back. You don't need that advice. Wow. Let me bring me back to where I was. Yes, I'm mocking your therapist right now. Because you need to talk to the right people. So many of you didn't know that. You didn't know I was depressed. You didn't know I was anxious. You don't know, didn't know I had any issues, more than the issues I already had. You just thought, hey, you know, pastor's fine. He's good. But people that really knew me knew. I wasn't keeping that to myself because I needed help. So I had many conversations with dad. I had many conversations with Pastor Dennis. Because in the multitude of counselors, there's safety and there's wisdom and there's help. So I'm not telling you not to tell anyone. Just tell the right people. They can help you. But it was around Christmas Eve. I mean, this is going on for years. And um, I think we were at the exchange. And I was sitting there. And I started crying just at the table. No reason. I'm still pretty emotional. But right then, I just felt hopeless. Kind of like you tried this. You tried that. That didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. You still feel horrible physically and mentally. How many know you feel hopeless? Does anyone deal with these issues or is it just me in here? You've taken the supplements, you changed your diet, you prayed in tongues enough, you listened to the podcast, you took the online course, you went to therapy, you exercise now, and you still don't feel good. Being too in a little, oh, am I being too open on Sunday mornings? <laughs> okay. But so I was sitting at the table, it's Christmas Eve. Should be the most wonderful time. Of the year. 
At that moment, I could have swung on somebody that said the most wonderful time of the year. It's the thrill of hope, Pastor Jordan. Why don't you shut your mouth right now? But, but mom looked at me, and I'm just crying. I'm having like an emotional breakdown because I felt bad for too long. Felt hopeless for too long. And, and I'm only quoting her because this is the only thing she's ever said that's been from God. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm giving her credit for this. It was super simple. How many know it doesn't have to be complicated? One word from God can change your life. <laughs> A word spoken in due season can bring freedom and healing and refreshing. <clears throat> so all mom said was, I was crying at the table for no reason. Probably was like, this guy's weirdo. Mom said, Jordan, you're going to be okay. I didn't feel like I was going to be okay. But those words had anointing on them. The only time. But I'm only making a joke so I don't cry right now. You realize that. So <laughs> she said, you're going to be okay. But you know what? Me getting on the other side of anxiety and depression has been a journey. And it still is. I'm 33 years old. That was eight, nine years ago. And you know what? I still struggle sometimes. Here's a good news, church family. I'm way better than I used to be. Physically, I feel way better than I used to be. Mentally and emotionally, I feel way better than I used to be. I have more ammunition from the Holy Spirit than I used to have. But by me saying I'm healed today, I'm not saying I don't ever feel those feelings ever again. I just know how to overcome them now. I just know how to get victory over them now. And I know that no matter what I feel, no matter what I'm going through, never go back to that place of hopelessness. Because then the enemy's got you. And those words spoken in due season gave me just a little bit of hope that I needed to see a way out. Because, you know, your Bible says God will give you a way of escape. It says in Isaiah, he will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How many know there is no way? There's no way out of the wilderness in the desert. But we serve a God that will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He will make a way of escape for us. But we got to hold on to hope. Because when you're hopeless, you can't see it. You can't see a way out. You can't see hope. You can't see a future. And that's why you have to have somebody like your pastor today to help you see. No, there is hope. God is your healer. There is a way of escape. And it's in God. So I understand things that people go through. And I know God didn't put me through that to teach me anything. But you know what? I know because I got on the other side of it, I can help you better. I'm not wishing I, that would have happened to me. But you can learn something. 
and turn your test into a testimony. It's not just a cheesy saying. You can really do that. You can turn the mess that God tried to, to, to make in your life and make it a message and say, I got out of this and God can get you out of this too. He can use it as a testimony. So, so eight or nine years later, I can say to you that, no, there is hope. You're not always going to feel that way. You're not always going to think that way. You're not always going to be in that place of hopelessness and despair. There is hope and there is hope in God. It might not happen instantly, but you can get there and God can heal you. And it's a journey to heal. And the further you go with God, the stronger you get, the healthier you get. And you can turn around and help other people with your testimony. You guys hear me today? I know I'm saying a lot so far. But you know, that was one of the reasons I named Natalie, Natalie Hope. Because when she was born, it was right at the beginning of that. And I named her that because she gave me hope. Not that she's God, she's not. But because of her, I realized I got to get better, not just for me. (laughs) I got to get better for her. That will motivate you when you got people around you. I don't got to get better just for me. I got a little girl that's dependent on me. So I need to get healthy again. I got a family that's dependent on me. And you know, on days that I got down and depressed and sad, I said, if I give up, what will that do to church people? I have a church that needs me. I can't give up. I can't be hopelessness. I need to stay in faith and believe that there's hope. You know, I, uh, I have a lot of compassion for people that deal with anxiety and depression. I even have a lot of compassion for people that are suicidal. Now, I never planned my death or anything like that, but I felt like I wanted to go to heaven many a times. I see why people get there pretty easily. And if I had God in my life and still felt that way, I know it's really easy for people that don't. So I didn't go as far to trying to figure out how to kill myself, but many times I felt like, God, just take me to heaven because I don't want to keep feeling like this. I can't keep taking this pain and hurt. But you know what? God has a better plan for us. He has hope and he has healing. I want to share a few things with you as we close. I know I've been talking a long time today. Did you guys get anything this morning? Hold on to hope. The first thing I want to share with you is if you're going to hold on to hope, you need to choose hope. I'm going to read some verses to you today. Romans 4, 17 and 18 in the New Living. Romans 4. This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed that God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Verse 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. 
believing he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. But notice it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. What does the scripture say to me? You can choose hope. You can choose hope when you don't feel hopeful. He said there was no reason. That means logically in his brain, he thought this through. There is no reason to hope right now. But hope is not a feeling. It's a choice. And I want to encourage you this morning, no matter how dark it is, how depressing it is, how hopeless it seems, you can still choose hope. And notice because Abraham chose hope, God moved in his life. Abraham could have said, there's no reason to hope. I'm going to stop hoping. And the promise would have never happened in Abraham's life. But it says, even though there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping. So if you're going to hold on to hope and get your hopes back up today, you're going to have to choose hope. That's not a feeling. That's a choice. I'll tell you as your pastor, there are going to be times in your life you don't feel hopeful and you got to choose hope. Because you're choosing a higher reality in a higher realm. And you're choosing to put your hope in God who is the source of all hope. Let's read another verse, Psalm 27, 13 and 14. It says, I would have lost heart Unless I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's jump back to verse 13. I'm still talking about choosing hope. Notice he said, I would have lost heart, or some translations say lost hope, unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. It was a choice. Hear me, church family. It was a choice. He said, I would have lost hope and heart unless I chose to believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And in the next part of that verse, it says, wait on the Lord. The wait doesn't mean sit around with your arms crossed. Actually, in other translations, it says, have a confident expectation. What is that? Hope that God is going to come through for you. Next thing I want to share with you is you need to speak hope. You need to speak hope when you don't feel hopeful. Psalm 43 and verse 5. David said this many times in the book of Psalms, but he said, Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I yet shall I praise him, the help of my countenance in my God. What, what did David say right here? He acknowledged what he was going through. He said, I, God, I feel down. I feel discouraged. I feel hopeless. But he spoke to his soul. If, if we're going to have hope, we need to speak hope. Even when we feel discouraged and depressed, you need to speak hope and you need to speak to your soul. You know, you can do that. 
The Bible calls it encouraging yourself in the Lord your God. And I would say the more you feel it, the more you need to speak it. Because the enemy is really trying to push down on you. So if you're feeling depression and anxiety, you need to start speaking hope. You need to start speaking to your soul and say hope in God. Get your hopes up, soul. You're going to be okay, soul. You're going to be all right, soul. We're going to get on the other side of this, soul. We're going to get into the land of the goodness of God again, soul. I believe that the joy of the Lord is my strength, soul. I believe that the peace of God that passes all understanding is my guard today, soul. And you need to speak to your soul. Now, what do many people do? They lay down. They binge on Netflix. They get the haagen out. And then they wonder why their mental health is going down the toilet. Because in times like that, you need to get up. You need to take a shower. You need to go outside and start speaking some hope. Don't lay down to it. Stand up to it. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Lay down and just receive it. The good news is you have a choice to choose hope and you have a mouth to speak hope. And things will change for you. Hebrews 10, 23 in the Amplified. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess in our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. Most translations say hold fast the confession of your hope. Meaning there's going to be a lot of times in your life that you don't feel like holding on to it. But you need to hold fast the confession of your hope. Why? Because he who promised you is faithful. I got one more verse and we're going to close here. I know I've been preaching a while today. You guys still here? Hey, you guys are still getting presents out of this. Even if you just listened to me to get the presents, you still had a good day. Last verse, Hebrews 6 and 16, we're going to start there. So we we said you need to choose hope. If you're going to hold on to hope, you need to speak hope. And you need to don't let go of hope. Hebrews 6 and 16 says in the New Living, Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, the oath is binding. Now I'm reading this for context. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. Now, what's hope? It's great confidence in your future. As we hold to the hope that lies before us. 
This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, and it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us and has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This passage here, he's talking to the, the, this church. He wrote to these Hebrews, and he's talking about the trustworthiness of God. He's talking about how a man would lie when he makes a covenant with you or a contract, but God doesn't do that. And if God could find somebody bigger than himself to swear by, he would, but he couldn't. He made an oath and a promise to himself that he would be faithful to you and to me. And God is not a man that he would lie. And because of that, it says that we need to hold on to that hope and we can take refuge in it because that hope, I'm preaching better than you're responding, is an anchor for our souls, both sure and steadfast. The Bible says sure, steadfast, strong. The passion says an unbreakable anchor. And notice it's an anchor to our souls. And I'm ending with this. I really am. It's 58 minutes. I've been long-winded, but it's all been good wind today. It's an anchor to our souls that are both sure and steadfast. Where's that word coming again? Soul. Because soul is where you got the problems. Soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. That's where you feel anxious. That's where you feel depressed. That's where you feel hopeless. And God says that when I fill you with this hope and you know how trustworthy I am, and you choose it, and you speak it, the hope of God is holding on to you. And it's an anchor to your soul, both sure and steadfast. Now, you don't understand the significance of this because you don't have a boat. You don't live in ancient times, which boats were everything to them. They were their livelihood. They were the way they traveled. They were the way they got money. And a lot of times in that day, the boats would be docked in the bay. And if they didn't have an anchor, when the storms of life came, when the rain came, when the waves came, if they didn't have an anchor, that boat is going out to sea. That boat is going to get crushed by the waves if it doesn't have an anchor. And he's using that as a word picture for us because when we go through anxiety and depression and hopelessness like some of us are feeling right now, and we feel hopeless, that's what we feel like. We feel like we're in a storm. We can feel the rain. We can feel the wind. Our emotions feel like waves, don't they? You feel like you can't get a hold of yourself. But my Bible says, we have this hope, which is an anchor to our souls. That means the hope of God is holding on to me. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to commit suicide. I'm not going to let anxiety rule my life. I'm not going to let depression rule my life. I'm not going to let this feeling of hopelessness ruin my life because I have an anchor to my soul, both sure and steadfast. And it is strong and unbreakable. 
No matter how hard the wind blows or how much it beats on me or how strong the waves are, we have an anchor to our soul, both sure and steadfast. And yes, we need to hold on to hope, but realize hope is holding on to us. And you know what? I knew that. Even though my head didn't probably know that, when I was going through certain things in my life, my spirit knew that. Jordan, you're going to be okay. You're going to get on the other side of this. It's always not going to be this way. You're not always going to feel depressed. You're not always going to be hopeless. You're not always going to be anxious. And the hope of God pulled me through that because he's an anchor to my soul. Both sure and steadfast. I think I preached myself happy today. Did I get your hopes up this morning? It's not me. It's God. But we have an anchor that's sure and steadfast. You don't even know a person like that. Sure and steadfast? Government's not that way. Healthcare system's not that way. Financial system's not that way. Even your friends aren't that way. But we serve a God who is faithful to his promises, who doesn't lie, who is faithful and reliable and sure and steadfast and strong. And he's the one holding me. Because if anyone else was, I would be sunk. (laughs) If anyone else was, my boat would have been crashed a long time ago. It would have been at the bottom of the sea. But he's an anchor. The hope of God is an anchor to our soul. I just I want to read a few more verses just in case Miss Marion didn't shout enough. Because I love you. You're helping me. Hebrews 6 and 19 in the Amplified. Now, you thought the expectation and the volume level was high already. Let, let me read it to you in the Amplified first. It says, now we have this hope as a sheer and steadfast anchor of the soul. Oh, read the fine print. It cannot slip and cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it a hope that reaches farther and enters to the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Notice what it says about that anchor. It cannot slip and cannot break down on whoever steps out upon it. Let me read this in the message. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. I love this. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus is. Running ahead of us and has taken up his permanent post as our high priest for us. I want to encourage you, church. You have an anchor to your souls. You have an anchor to your souls. You can trust him. You can trust him today. I want to encourage you, you need to choose hope, you need to speak hope, and you need to hold on to hope, and don't let it go. Hope's not going to let you go, but you don't need to let go of it. Like it says in the message, grab this hope with two hands, and let it be an anchor 
to your souls. Let it be an anchor to your souls. That's God's will. Did you guys get any help today? You get any hope today? (laughs) 